0: What happened over the summer, who's good, who's bad, why are these fans so dramatic? Like that kind of
1: (laughs) We're dramatic? I didn't know that.
0: Welcome to checking out the competition Toronto Maple Leafs. We have a very special guest this time. This I feel is second only to the time that I got Sean McIndoe. We have Jeff Vayette, who is a writer for Canadasportsbetting.ca. Jeff, how are you doing?
1: fantastic happy to be here and uh, i'm okay with taking second place to to sean
0: i mean it's pretty good right
1: yeah 100%. not bad
0: yeah not bad um i still can't believe i got him to do this stupid little podcast
1: <laughs> he's a good dude i met him at the the world cup uh covering it in 2016 nice he guy.
0: seems like a genuinely nice person i have a feeling that if like literally anyone asked him to do their silly little podcast if he had the time he'd be like yeah all right sure
1: yeah i mean i'm the same way um but uh, yeah, no, re- really solid dude. We started ta- talking when he was like fifteen. Well, wow, I was like fifteen, sixteen years old. Uh, right early days of the blogosphere, and yeah, one of those guys who never really forgot his roots.
0: Yeah, yeah, good guy. It's it's nice when people that you enjoy are actually nice. Happens yeah. so rarely. Um, so the Maple Leafs. Let's talk about them a little bit, if you could. Could you run through um. Kind of the big stuff that happened over the summer. Anyone added? Anyone who left? Any Anything like that?
1: Um, I mean, the most drastic thing. Uh, well, everyone in the city will tell you that everything is a drastic thing. But the most uh, drastic overhaul of the roster probably comes in net. Uh, out comes Jack Campbell, who's now uh, in uh, Edmonton. Uh, Peter Morazic is now in Chicago. He was traded in a, in a bit of a cap dump move. And Toronto brought in. Um one really risky bet that's already starting to not pay off for them, uh, in Matt Murray. Uh they acquired him from Ottawa, uh, and he's currently on LTIR after one game. And then Ilya Samsonov came in from uh from Washington on a one-year prove-it deal, and he's been pretty good so far. Uh other than that, everything's kind of been at the fringes. They signed guys like Zach Aston Reese, um, who Flyers fans would be familiar with from his time in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh Dennis Mulgan, who spent some time uh in Switzerland during COVID, uh Nick Abe Kubel, most famous for breaking the Stanley Cup. Um, <laughs> if we can't win around, you gotta find someone who can uh, who can take revenge on the on the trophy. So uh but yeah, other than that it's all kind of incremental change. The team's kind of um locked up its core, uh,
0: mm-hmm. at
1: least for a little while longer. Uh so the focus was there. And I guess I signed Callie Croak as well. I kinda of forgot about that one, but uh he's there. Um he, for, for a little while and he uh, he's looking alright too so mo- mostly last year's team but a couple of tweaks with the fringes and a whole new duo uh, in, in goal.
0: I totally forgot you guys got Q Bell former flyer Nicholas Alba Oh Qbell.
1: right, I, I forgot that he was that, that he was there I just, I just remember the, the, the vandalism of uh, the silverware so yeah
0: I mean like you know that's important but also yeah. former flyer yeah. Nicholas Albeque um so, the leafs right now are four, three, and one um and I was telling you before we officially started recording here that I was surprised when I looked because I primarily experienced the leafs through Leafs Twitter, which is, in my opinion, the best way to experience the maple leaves. Um, putting it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have thought you know they were like. Two and five, or, or something like something drastically bad. They're about 500, eight games into the season, which is, you know, fine. Um, but of course, everyone thinks everything is a disaster because um, I like to say that Flyers fans have Eagles brain, by which I mean there's only 16 football games, right? So, like, every game is a really big deal. Right. And everyone in Philadelphia is obsessed with the Eagles. So, when it comes to the Flyers, they treat every game like there's 16 Flyers games and every single one of these games is so important. And I think that Leafs fans have Eagles brain to like a terminal degree.
1: Yeah, which um, is really funny because we don't really support our football team. The Argos, no one, no one goes to those games. But right. yeah, we're, we're like the, uh, but, but yeah, we're like the extreme level of that we're like game seven of the playoffs is every game brain.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty funny. But um why don't you tell us in like a reasonable normal person way uh how these first 8 games have looked for the Leafs? Like what's going well for them so far?
1: Um yeah, I I guess uh it's it's important to look at it from a more grounded perspective because as you kind of alluded to the default stance in Toronto is Troy walking into the burning building and community with uh with a couple pizzas and uh wondering what's going on <laughs> yes. um yeah it's it, i mean I, I mean it hasn't been the greatest start now granted this was kind of the same story as last season uh you expect this team to to be you can't really expect anything, but with them in the playoffs, uh, given the last uh, several decades, right? But come the regular season, this is a team that you expect to be a President's Trophy contender. They have the reigning MVP, multiple star players, uh, a deep blue line, um, goaltending that might be okay. Who knows? Goalies are a crapshoot. Um, there, there's just been they they've continuously won games in the regular season. You mm-hmm. hope that they can at least set a tone uh in this time around to at least to, to kind of give people that hope again uh before they pull it all away uh but so far it hasn't quite been that and i think what frustrates a lot of people in particular is who they've lost uh these games to yeah uh their season opener against montreal obviously team that finished in last place last year and it also happens to be your biggest rival um losing 4-2 to arizona um, losing to San Jose last night, even though they did come back to force overtime. And then there's the Vegas game, too. But I'm, I'm one of those people who think that Vegas is going to be pretty good this year. So I'm not as worried about that. Um, there's almost there's almost a questioning of what it takes to get this group engaged. Mm-hmm. If They almost play beneath themselves sometimes if it's not, not an opponent um, that you really hype yourself up around. Uh, they won't necessarily show up. Their best game so far this year was against the Winnipeg Jets, who might not be the best team, but they've had um, uh, almost a heated rivalry of that kind of came out of nowhere. One of the maybe the only good thing to come out of the COVID pandemic uh, was the Leafs Jets rivalry because they had to play each other so many times uh, in the North Division that every game turned into just a complete uh, complete shit show um you heard names being accused of being dirty players that you would never have heard otherwise like you would have thought that joe thornton was scott stevens at one point um you there was the there's the infamous video of mark shifley saying is there anything better than beating the Leafs?" so like that game everyone's really engaged Mm -hmm. and they and they they ran all over them and that's what people want to see uh, this team B, but despite the schedule being pretty light over the start of this season, they haven't really shown that they just kind of look like a team going through the motions. Um, Obviously, when you're a top-end team, you can kind of afford that if you, as long as you get yourself into a playoff spot like we've seen that in Tampa Bay the last couple of years where they've kind of coasted through the regular season and then turned on the gears. Mm-hmm. But Tampa Bay gets that benefit of the doubt because they've won two Stanley Cups and also won a conference on top of that. Um, that's a benefit of the doubt that they didn't have until they got uh, to that state. So all things considered, you can look at what Toronto's doing right now and say, oh, I mean still second in the Atlantic they still have a winning record um mm-hmm. there's no reason to think this team's falling off a cliff just yet but it does still feel like they're playing under their potential how how you react to it is a much different story you can be someone closer to where I'm at right now and say okay well let's just let's see a few more weeks of this and see where it goes or you can be the people who already want firings and trades and all that which is which started pretty much right off the hop
0: yeah that that was the super interesting part is that it was so quick for fans to want to, it seems like gut the entire front office and coaching staff. But I do wonder, like, like you're saying, so this is obviously maybe more than any other team in the league right now. I think like a team of superstars, like you look down this roster You know, I'm in Philly. I don't, you know, different division. I'm not in Canada. I don't have the Canadian media like throwing these guys at me all the time. And even I can run down this roster and I know who every single one of these guys is. You know what I mean? Like these are big name players, these are star players. That kind of group, like that level of, you know, the ego that comes with it. Because not only are you a really good hockey player, you're playing in, you know, the epicenter of the hockey universe and everyone knows who you are. Does that right. kind of group like does that require a particular kind of coach that maybe Sheldon Keith just isn't?
1: Uh firstly, I was going to say Brian Burke used to refer to uh, the Toronto market as the Vatican of hockey and I think you know Yeah. Ways, uh Uh, I don't know how holy they are. They haven't really been blessed with much success in the last little while, but (laughs) otherwise an apt comparison. Uh, It's hard to say um, with regards to Keith, because really, I mean, there's so little that's known about what really goes on in the room. Like there's the Amazon documentary, but that's months worth of stuff put into a polished uh, three, four hour uh, montage to tell the story that they want to tell. So we don't know how uh much of that reflects on what actually goes on in there. Uh there obviously when you're running an NHL team you have a lot of egos to manage and uh there can be times where you have a bit of uh, butting heads. Like we had a really ridiculous controversy uh last week after the Arizona loss where Sheldon Keith basically said, Oh well, difference between us and Arizona is we have elite players and they don't, but our elite players didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Now I agree with Elliot Friedman that what Really was a controversial thing to say there it was him basically after losing to them saying, huh, Arizona has no good players. Um, Like you would think that would be the insult, but it became this thing where it's like, oh, well, this Keith have beef with his stars. And then the next day, uh, Mitch Martyr comes out, talks to the media and is like, yeah, Sheldon talked to us, kind of clarified. Uh, What exactly he meant? We understand. We got to be better. Blah 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 blah. And then it very quickly became, oh, is Keith backing down to his star players? Is he just rolling over? Um, yeah. It it was like a three-day extravaganza of quote after quote, uh, where they had to like defend themselves, and then every defense, um, became worse. So I don't know what the answer is inside the room. I would imagine, um, that there's not that much of a problem given that Keith is currently uh he currently holds the highest winning percentage in franchise history uh since joining the team and that's hmm. 100 years uh worth of history there so if he's getting 70 percent of the points you have to imagine something's going right here just maybe not at this exact second and it doesn't seem like there's um there's many like exit reviews coming from players who are like oh, i didn't like playing there yeah um or playing under him you never really heard that stuff about him the marlies or sous saint marie either. Um, so it's difficult to say, um, obviously the, the pressure cooker has been there, uh, even since before the start of this year, um, as alluded to at the beginning, uh, my, uh, my day job brings me into the, uh, it's a big gambler of the sports betting industry. And there was a, uh, there was a black market book that had, uh, um, odds for who the first coach in the NHL to get fired would be. And they had Keith at one going into the season. And I think that plant, that that whole report kind of planted the seeds in people. That's what these things are done for. It's PR. It's the same thing as, like, yeah. most handsome coach um, sir, um, results or whatever that one of these books did. And it became this big thing for, like, a week or so. But I think that kind of got the conversation going. And it didn't really make a lot of sense. He generally... It's going to be a bad team that's going to to make the the first firing and Keith's problems of uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's has a he's had a playoff problem, but they haven't found success in the postseason. And if there's going to be a situation, whether it's him, whether it's GM Kyle Dubas, whether it's President Brendan Shanahan, they're going to be judged on.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars dot com.
1: Uh, not on what happens in the uh in the regular season unless something completely collapses here if we're talking like they lose the next 10 games sort of deal uh it's it's a really complicated situation trying to talk about what the staff are right now
0: yeah i, I mean because what's wild is like would anyone in the world be shocked if the Leafs went on like a 10 game winning streak right now like no Oh. No one would think that was weird. Like, no one would think it came out of nowhere. Like, this is an incredibly talented hockey team who's just off to, like, not even a bad start, just like a middling start. Yeah. Like, Just
1: like pretty good instead of yeah in, in, instead of great, which is still an issue. Again, you you want to play at your standard. Sure. Um I've been I I I am familiar with that perspective. I do work with a uh, with a junior team from side from from on the side, and we have the same kind of conversations. Like when we look at our record, it's not so much the record as are we playing to our standard. And I think you can look at the Leafs and say the same thing. But we're also talking a matter of two weeks of hockey in a six-month season, um, so that's where that's where it becomes really complicated. And I think with this market, there's there's a increased level of a win doesn't really feel like anything, like it's almost expected, which makes all the losses all that much worse. Uh, they, it's a very it's a very unrewarding team to be a fan of right now because the bar and the hope is so high and the pressure is so high that you never really get a rush of success. You can only feel the failure.
0: So I have long had a theory that. Ta- or Toronto is doing a Tampa, which is also at this point doing an avalanche, which is to say extremely good hockey team in the regular season that absolutely shits the bed in the playoffs for a couple of years And through that, they figure it out and then they go on to, you know, do a Tampa or do an avalanche. And I think that last year, it kind of seemed like I don't want to say that this was on purpose because I'm sure that it wasn't, but it kind of seemed like Tampa sort of figured out that they didn't need to like be the president's trophy winner in order to be successful. Like they didn't need to run house in the regular season because that energy would be better utilized in the playoffs. And I kind of wonder, not that the Leafs players are, you know, sitting back and not trying, but maybe it's just kind of like an easing in to the season, like not you know, getting yourself injured in game four because you're going so hard and you're not totally back into game shape, like that kind of thing where it's like, if we're going to play into June, do we kind of like, you know, meter ourselves a little bit across this long regular season so that by the time we get to the playoffs, everyone's a hundred percent, everyone's ready to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think Matt Murray or Jake Muzzin got the Don't Get Heard in Game 4 memo. Um, they're they're both out for quite some time, <laughs> so that didn't quite the, work out yeah. the best there. But um, yeah, I, I can see the point to it, but at the same time, you want process to, to play out in those games. Like, when you listen to Keith yesterday uh, in his post-game scrum, he talks about just even the inability of his blue line to to make simple passes or eggs and stuff like that. It's, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's a team that's just like not going balls to the wall or whatever. It feels like a team that is having just straight up early season hiccups. Um, and I do think obviously trying to win uh, during the regular season is preferable to not, I mean, the end of the day it still helps with playoff seating and you also play in the Atlantic division where, It's even become even more of a gauntlet than it was before. Not only Mm -hmm. do you have like the Toronto, Boston, uh, Tampa, and Florida uh, four, but you look at the Senators and they've gotten better. You look at the Sabres and they've gotten better. Uh, The Red Wings, they've gotten better. Um, Montreal is probably not as bad as they were last year. Um, probably wasn't not as good as they were two years ago in the playoffs, but probably not as bad as they were last year there's not really there's not a team there where it's like okay well, you can feast and if any of them catch fire um suddenly they're in a wild card discussion or a fourth seed discussion so right. it's a lot harder to take off your uh, take the 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 um, the foot off the gas pedal uh here so i don't know if that's necessarily the objective. Um, and I don't think the issue with Toronto last year was that they were spent at the end of it. I thought they had a very, very strong series against Tampa Bay. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they did have the majority of the shots, the majority of the goals. Uh, they're one of the only teams in league history to lose back-to-back playoff series where they outscored the other team. Yeah, feels, uh feels great to be in uh, in Toronto right now. <laughs> that does um, sound
0: incredibly annoying.
1: Yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> If it's any consolation, I think the team before them was the um, the 06 and 07 Red Wings, and they won the cup the following year. So you never know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough spot because there's just so many different ways you can microanalyze this. And at the end of the day, it might just be sim- as simple as a good team going on a slump. And mm-hmm. you look at the playoffs, and it's prob- probably more likely than not a coin toss and it just, it feels like crap because it's happened so many times in a row. Um, but it, it, it's, we have a tendency to, um, to, to look at these things and think of patterns. And sometimes it's not, there. there's nothing to it. Sometimes it's just the way, uh, the way things are going. Um, obviously this is something that they don't want to stretch on for, for too long. Uh, but you look at the talent level of the group, and you have to imagine they—they they at least shake their way somewhat out of it. Oh and yeah, are back in contention. Um, within, honestly, like you said, it could be, it could be a couple of days, and all of a sudden they're on the start of a ten-game winning streak. This is mm-hmm. just kind of again, it's, it'd be the same as last year where they were they were in the spot. There was jerseys being thrown on the ice in game five. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this team's never going to lose again. Um, <laughs> and like their second half, they had like eight, ninety goaltending and had a 700 record in that time. Cause they were just scoring the lids off of teams. So they, that that's just the, that's just the way hockey is sometimes. If you have the talent usually works out by in a short burst that can flip in a hurry.
0: So Matt Murray's hurt. Um even before he was hurt, I think that it was easy to say that like the goaltending was definitely the most sus part of this team. Yep. Um heading into this even and he's even last year, like I feel like the goaltending was probably the weak link. Um outside of the goaltending, is there any glaring weakness in this team's game?
1: Uh it depends on who you ask. Like my answer will probably be different from most people's answers um there's a lot of traditionalists who still believe in the whole you need to have a uh, shut down defensive group a uh, mm. tough group on the uh, on the bottom end but you look at you look at Toronto's bottom six right now and they're like they're not giving anything uh in terms of, of offensive production that's why you're seeing um guys like Aston Reese uh and Albi Kubel come out of the lineup from time to time already Trying to tinker to find something that gives them a bit of production as well, like the idea of having all these great like worker b before checkers who can separate pucks and limit offense it doesn't re- it doesn't really work if they're not doing anything the other way right um and I think that in general, the last couple of years did something where the least have almost over committed to trying to be uh a traditional hockey team like they get this reputation of like. Kyle Dubas, weird nerd of the glasses, who's just running everything off of an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. Uh, but what really seems to happen with the group is there there doesn't seem to be um, an effort to to try to play a disruptive style. Like mm-hmm. Colorado would come at you at, in waves and, and play high transition, high tempo hockey, uh, which threw off a lot of teams who weren't prepared for that. Toronto just tries to be a, like this jack of all trades group um, and it, it can flame out for them like a couple years ago they, when they spent all their, their deadline assets on Nick Felino and Riley Nash and those yeah. guys didn't really do anything for them. This seems to be the cheaper approach to doing so is getting those kind of worker bee defensive guys off of like $800,000, $1 million contracts in free agency. But that's how they've kind of padded this roster. They've been trying to build um, the smart man's version of a traditional four-flying while well, at the same time, it's like, great, you found the slightly better version of that style of play, but it, it's the same thing as everyone's done forever. At a certain point, your team just kind of becomes predictable when your best players are off the ice and i think that's where toronto's uh biggest problem is is they've just they've become just an efficient version of what everyone before has tried before there's no there's almost no identity to it like Mm. as much as i can give shit to a team like the islanders when they went on their run and they weren't all that good there was at least something consistent to them there was something that Every player had the same general objective when they were out on the ice uh, and teams had to game plan for that um, because it, it wasn't familiar to to all their lines, all their matchups. Toronto, in a sense, are just a good version of another team. Uh, right. And I wonder if there needs to be more creativity and skill on the on the bottom half of the lineup. I think that might be... Uh, their biggest weakness, which to a lot of people who just read about the Leafs casually are probably floored hearing that, because they hear that all oh, these guys are just a bunch of skilled weirdos who have no idea what, a, what what the battling the corners and all that stuff is. But that the narrative is not in line with reality.
0: No, I feel like all like all of of Dubis's moves that I can think of that came around deadline time were all kind of like those old hockey men moves. Like I feel like getting Giordano was that kind of move. Simmons obviously yeah. is definitely that kind of move. Like it it almost seemed to me like Dubas was going too far in the other direction, like overcorrecting for the nerd thing by trying to get as many old-timey hockey players that he could. And I always wondered if that was the right idea for this team.
1: Yeah, and I mean there's pushes and pulls there, but that's kind of what the reality is. Is instead of using it to find new ways to play and new ways to deceive teams, it's mostly just been to to play the same old way but cheaper and more flexibly. Like they're they're not committing bad contracts to these guys, and that's right. great. But they're also still kind of going for the same kind of guys as you you always would. There's occasional home runs here and there. Obviously, guys like Michael Bunting were a revelation uh, when they signed him. Uh, last summer uh, but it's kind of it kind of feels few and far between now it just seems like it seems like they're constantly going for the safe play Mm -hmm. um, because they don't want to they don't they don't want to shake the cages too much and they don't want to put themselves even even more at risk Uh, yeah I was gonna say like
0: do you think that's because Dubas is he kind of knows that like I don't know if it continues this way
1: yeah, I don't know if it's that that he's doing it this way to kind of save his job or if this is kind of just how he thinks, like for all the talk of him being the calculator boy or whatever, this is a guy who's lived in the ranks since he was a kid and he's right. been a scout. Um, since he was a teenager, like the, I, I think I think he actually is like when you hear people who don't like analytics be like, oh, it's a tool, but it's just a tool as a way of being dismissive. I think that's probably a description that actually fits him, whereas he sees himself as a traditional hockey mind uh, who's willing to use those assets, but isn't going to to lean all the way in on them uh and again there are strengths to it it's allowed him to keep uh this group consistently under the salary cap ceiling uh and still kind of rotate decent players down there there's very rarely like a grenade type of player but mm-hmm. it seems to be used less to hit home runs but just make sure that you get on base uh and don't and don't strike out on guys so it's a very it's a very cautious uh, style approach. It's low, um, low ceiling, high floor, um, kind of decision-making.
0: So can you give us, um, maybe like an under the radar player that we might not be focused on in this game that we should maybe keep an eye on?
1: Whew, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a good question. Uh, there, there's this young man who only has two goals this season, this Austin Manoa, uh, going going through this list i don't know there's no one who's really
0: no it's, it's, hard, really to hard, be, to be, it's hard to, to be under yeah. the radar
1: in toronto yeah. um, <laughs> and, and, and everyone's a guy and even their vet guys are are guys i guess like if you haven't heard the nick robertson story uh, he's going to be interesting to a lot of people this is his rookie season uh he's jason robertson from dallas's uh younger brother um he started the year down with the Marlies for cap reasons but has come up scored two goals against dallas including an ot winner and has got people excited about him as a prospect again he scored everywhere he's gone OHL, ahl so on and so forth but it's had some injury issues the last couple of years a lot of people are really excited for him and he could be a great value fit for uh for the team just a fun kid fun guy to watch i wouldn't i wouldn't know for sure he'd be under the radar after especially after last week But if you haven't seen him yet, he's going to be a fun guy to pay attention to.
0: Excellent. The final thing I'll ask you is the final thing I ask everyone. Uh, Give me a final score for this game based on literally nothing.
1: (laughs) Um... There's a guy I follow named uh his his handle is Jake B. Leafs, and his whole thing was that they'd win every game five two. Okay. Um I, I I my stereotypical score is usually eight-six, but this team isn't uh playing well enough offensively to be that uh that risky right now. So I'm gonna go five two Leafs uh in honor of our boy Jake.
0: I gotta tell you, the the Flyers aren't gonna score six goals either. So eight yeah, six was never gonna happen. <laughs> Um, I'm going with the extremely safe uh, four-two Leafs. That's what I'm going to go with.
1: Don't trust uh, Don't trust him for that empty netter, right?
0: No. Um, and here's the thing with the Flyers, which I'm sure you know. Like the they're right now, like being kept together by like Scotch tape and Carter Hart's 949 save percentage. Yep. At some point, one assumes he will not be playing had a 949 safe percentage pace and once that happens uh it's gonna uh, it it could be messy um i I mean if if a team is going to to break carter hart down you know the team with austin matthews and mitch marner and john tavares like as a pretty safe bet for one that could do it so
1: yeah, though if you tell me this ends up two nothing Flyers and the city burns down with the takes the next day, uh, I'd believe that too. No, nothing makes sense in this sport.
0: No, it's why it's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much for doing this. If you would like to, you can tell people where they can find you on the internet.
1: You can uh, you can find me on uh, CanadaSportsBetting.ca for my for my articles. I tend to post about two a week, and then uh, if you're still on Twitter after the uh, after the big purchase uh, yesterday. Um, you can find me uh, at just my full name, Jeff, J-E-F-F, Bayette, V as in Victor, E-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. I am an occasionally OK follow. Imagine leaving Twitter. Could not be me. Yeah, you got to post through it till the very end to uh, burn this place to the ground.
0: Exactly. I will I will die on Twitter. Elon Musk will not take it from me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> can't, let the, can't let the weird nerds win. Our weird nerds have to win.
0: Exactly. The good weird nerds must yes. win, not the not the weird Weird nerds. Those are the best ones. Um, Jeff, thanks again. I hope that you enjoy this game. I hope they give us a show. And uh, I hope the Flyers win.
1: Go Flyers. It was a blast. Thanks for having me.